increase sales, improve margins, and grow your business. Guaranteed. Top secrets of marketing and sales. Professional Profile Series. Now, now, now. David Blaze. Hello, and welcome back to the Professional Profile Series, where we interview growth-minded business professionals to discuss what they can do better and differently to grow their sales and profits. I'm David Blaze from TopSecrets.com. We help business owners and salespeople to increase their sales, improve their profit margins, and grow their businesses. And I am joined once again today by my co-host, business development goddess, Bianca Istvan, executive producer of the show, who handpicked all of today's guests. Welcome back, Bianca. Thanks so much, David, and thanks everyone for joining us today. We definitely have some spectacular guests, and I'd like to start introducing them. So, Daniel Week, welcome to our podcast. Please tell us a bit about yourself and your business. Uh, again, I'm Daniel Wick. I have been in real estate for about 22 years now. I hold a certified general commercial real estate appraiser license. I also have a real estate broker's license that I've held from roughly about the same time, getting into everything roughly about 2002. Over the years, I've done a lot of different things in real estate. I got into the investment side of things in about 2009. I did about 50 fix and flips between 2009 and 2015. And with a lot of background in construction and development. And my appraisal career was mostly focused on subdivision analysis and apartment valuation. And so I kind of found myself led into the development section, which is now what I do. I primarily do subdivision development, things from 20 to 70 lots in size for subdivisions. And that's what I've been doing for the past eight or nine years now. That's pretty impressive. Thank you so much, Daniel. I'm going to go to our next guest, Joseph Lombardi. Welcome. Please tell us a bit about yourself and your business. Sure. I'm Joseph Lombardi. I'm the owner and founder of Iron Hawk Financial. Been in business for 20 years or two decades. I have 27 financial industry awards. I've won 1,600 clients, over a billion dollars of rollovers and protections in my career. I was featured on the International Business Times, Market Insider, Business Insider. I'm also a published author. I've written three books that are available on Amazon. One is called Being Your Own Bank. The other one is called There's a Better Way Than a 401k. And the third one is Long-Term Care Without Long-Term Pain. I was also recently on the cover of the top 40 advisors in the country under 40 years old, five-star rated on Google, A-plus rated on the Better Business Bureau. And I basically have two proprietary strategies. One saves you a lot of money in taxes by using different IRS codes, doing what the ultra wealthy do by building a rich person's Roth. And my other strategy is rolling over existing retirement assets into a strategy that has a proven 20 year record of double digit returns where you cannot lose, backed by AAA rated 175 year old companies. Wow, thanks for saving lives, Joseph, as I first said when I met you. Awesome. I'm going to go to our next guest, Sufyan Malik. Welcome. Please tell us a bit about yourself and your business. Thank you. Thanks for having me on here. So yeah, I'm Sufyan. I'm based in Tripoli, Libya. It's uh, kind of different here. 
and things are exciting. And for the last six years, I've been running two of my marketing agencies, from which one of it is a content creation agency. And we have worked with brands like Swiss watches, Rolex, T. So we have consulted them and we have done content creation for them. Apart from that, and we've worked well with over 75 clients locally and well over 32 clients internationally and even US-based local businesses. We white label our services as a paid ads agency. And I'm also the founder of GrowX Impact, which is a coaching business that I recently started about 14 months ago. So it's my marketing agency is called The Next Digital Media. So we're just combining all the consulting and marketing services together and you know, working on developing kind of an online education system that everyone can learn from. Not everyone has to pay thousands of dollars to just learn how to make money. That's absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much, Sufyan. David, I'm going to pass it to you. Okay, thank you, Bianca. It's so great to meet our panel. Thank you all for being on here. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to do this. Well, our podcast is always about business growth. So let's start with what seems to be working well right now in that regard, what's working well for you right now, and what seems to be potentially creating the bottlenecks. What are the things that are working well, and what are the things that maybe aren't working quite as well? Let's start with you, Sufyan. All right, perfect. So, you know, since I'm very big on content and creating content for whatever business you're in, the, the things that's super trending right now is, of course, short form content. If you're talking about 10 years ago, to 2014, 12, up to 2016, even 18, YouTube was very trending and everybody got on the train early. And now you have all these, you know, big YouTubers with, with a very, very large fan base audience, but uh, it's never too late. And the thing that is very, working very extremely well right now is short form, which is TikTok, which is Instagram Reels, which is YouTube Shorts. So it's not necessary that you, you need very professional equipment or you don't have to be the best in terms of creating content, but it's just about putting your word out there, just about creating uh, a personal brand. Because now I think people are more connected to people uh, as compared to just businesses, because people want to know who's behind who's behind this business. So it's, I think, creating personal brand, even if you run a uh, marketing agency, a restaurant, whatever it is, right? When people connect with you on a personal level or follow your life and how you went from point A to B, they love you even more. They just want to, you know, see what you have to offer. So I think that's working extremely well, even better than paid ads. So in other words, when you're talking about deliverables, essentially for your clients, and you have deliverables that people want, then obviously that's going to generate leads. When you're looking for the people who need that service, how are you going about that at the moment? So first of all, when we look for people who, who need our services or content creation or paid ads, we look into their offer and see what they're offering because not everything works just by running paid ads. So uh, even when we work with people, we pick them very, very carefully because content creation is something that takes time because if we're talking about organic marketing, which is free marketing, so there is a difference between organic and paid, right? Paid like Google ads, Facebook ads, and more organic is like when you create content, YouTube, you create multiple posts on Facebook groups to get free traffic. So it, it is something that's time taking and when people don't have that patience then i don't think you know they're the best one to work with or even if they have the budget they can go for paid ads but if they don't you know then i think you know, there's no solution for that okay and so that could be one of the challenges then is, is trying to determine who's actually in it to win it and who wants to just get a quick hit Exactly. And I, I don't think, you know, trying to make a quick buck in the online space really works now because people are just there watching you on social media just to catch a moment where you mess up. 
And then just, you know, they take that and they just multiply it and, you know, you, you, you get yourself a bad name. So you can't just, you know, make vague promises in the market. It takes time. It takes patience. And the most important thing is it, it, it's consistency. Okay. Thank you so yep. much. No Daniel, what about you? Uh, boy, that's really interesting. One thing I heard Sofian say was personal connection. And that seems to remain one of the primary factors in what I do. So again, I do a lot of real estate and my typical business model is a little bit opposite than an inventory and sales model. I look at my clients actually as the people who sell me properties because that's kind of where my primary marketing goes. I'm out there looking for sellers, looking for people who have land. In a lot of cases, in my case, that's generally the older population. And so creating the personal connection with those people, you know, kind of again, echoing with some of what Sophion said, you know, I've done a lot of social media, I've done a lot of those things, and it doesn't really tend to produce very much. It's got to be the right thing in order to actually produce something. And in my case, with what I do, you know, most older folks are not living their life on social media. That's just not, you know, it's a much uh, younger generation kind of thing. So, you know, getting out there, getting face to face with people. These are things I think that have changed a lot over the years with, you know, you call big companies these days and you get phone trees, you don't get to talk to people anymore. It's a, a typical thing, but in my world, that remains absolutely paramount to develop that personal, not only just to get face to face, but develop the personal connection where there's some kind of trust level. All yeah. of a sudden that changes everything and it allows things to proceed forward. So for me, that is absolutely one of the best things that is working. And honestly, in that respect, social media is not really working much on that avenue. It, it needs to be direct connection. You raised a lot of interesting points there, Daniel. I think the first one is that in real estate, obviously, you're looking for the sellers because if probably every real estate agent with a pulse is going to want to sell whatever it is they have to offer right now. So getting the listings, I can see how that would be more important at this point than trying to find buyers because once you've got the listings, it makes it a little easier. Is that right? Or real estate agents, yes, but I'm speaking more to my development business. So we're doing direct marketing out to people who own land. And so you might look at me as the client to the seller, and I look at them as my client. You know, we're out directly buying these properties and, and getting them in. From a real estate agent side, absolutely. If you're an agent today, you better be working on listings. But that is a very, very, very tough game today. It is, yeah. But even with what you described, the fact that you're going after these people to let them know that you are there and you're the guy to go to, as opposed to whatever other options they have, because once you've got that listing, once you've got them bound up, that's that's all you. So yep. sounds pretty important. You also mentioned that social media isn't working for you at the moment. I'm sure Sufian would be happy to tell you reasons why that may be the case. We did a, a podcast most recently where we were talking about the MVPs of marketing and sales. What's the message that's being communicated? Which combination of vehicles are you using to communicate the message? And who are the people or prospects that you're trying to reach? When you talk about older people not being online, 
I think that's true of some of them, and some of them are actually more active than you might think. But I don't want to steal Sufyan's uh, thunder. I'll give him a chance to address that a little bit later. I think Sufyan also kind of mentioned strategy and the right game that you're using, and I find that very important. My social media game could use some improvement. Let's just go with that. <laughs> I think that's probably true of most people. You can always go for paid ads, right? So it's like you said, you know, for the older generation, it's kind of hard to create content. But if you don't want to show yourself, you can always create paid ads, have a very nice CRM build, like go high level, add some automations because you're looking for sellers, right, Daniel? So you can have people coming in that and they're, you know, going through a, they go through a qualification process. And then you get the people that you want, and then the rest of the ones, they just get disqualified. I mean, you don't have to show your face. It's just like very simple landing page, great CRM, go high level, Facebook or Google ads, Google ads, PPC, because people are looking for your product. And you know, it's very simple. And it's worth trying out at least you know $1,000 a month spending on ads to see how things are working for you. The ROIs can be great. Sorry to interrupt. Okay. Well, I didn't expect that you could really let that one go because <laughs> yeah. somebody's throwing you raw meat. You have to go for it. So I appreciate it. Okay. Joseph, we're talking two things primarily here. Where are you going to get those customers? What's working well for you? And what are the areas where it's maybe a little more challenging? Yeah. I mean, I think before COVID, I ran a lot of home shows, uh, about 12 of them throughout the country. They're very well. I've got a lot of clients meeting face-to-face as Daniel was alleviating to the relationship aspect is very important in the financial industry. I'm dealing with people's money, as I'm sure it is in Daniel's industry. We're dealing with people's biggest asset, their house or land. So before COVID, it was nothing but paper books, old school, learned at Northwestern Mutual back in 2004. And I kept that really running forward until COVID hit. And then what I realized is that I can run my business literally anywhere around the country right here. Even though I have a big office that I hardly ever go to, I can do it right from my home. So what I found is I went on a lot of networking websites and companies like Alignable, Hummingbird AI through LinkedIn that got me a lot of opportunities and leads similar to how Bianca found me. And I then found this gentleman in California who owns a Facebook advertising Instagram company. And then his partner is out of Indiana and he owns an AI chat GPT company with cell phones. So you buy a phone number and then the leads come through the funnel, but then the bot contacts your leads for you. So I was getting 10, 20 leads booked to my calendar every week from the AI bot. And then that's tied to go high level as Sufian was speaking to, but that ties your Google calendar, that ties the ads, that ties your Google account. So when I got a five-star rating, it just popped up right there and go high level. When I get messages through Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, it pops right up on my go high level CRM. I have like a own built-in cell phone text message. I can text right from my computer. I can call right from my computer. It was a game changer from understanding what the development and the evolution of marketing is going to. It was very profound because I was just like Daniel, just for my whole career for 18 years, just meet people, BNIs, HBRAs, YPNs, home shows, network marketing. Now I'm going more online webinars, in-person seminars, using the AI, you know, rolling over millions of dollars a week, using you know, people that are interested in annuities, people are looking to preserve their money. So I believe the game has shifted a lot from where it used to be before COVID, where I can generate opportunities like nothing. Now people are want to go more online. So I invested a lot of money in SEO, my website 
asking existing clients for a Google review so I can maintain my five-star rating. Better Business Bureau, maintain that an A-plus rating. Have articles going to different PR companies and trying to get into Forbes, which I'm doing right now. And investing a lot of time on your foundation so when people look up Ironhawk Financial, they look up Joseph Lombardi. There's nothing but positive information. There's nothing but good customer reviews client reviews. And I feel like that's going to be the new wave moving forward because everybody has an attention span of a gnat. So you have to give them the information they need as quick as possible. No BS. You know, I just shot two commercials and I'm literally in my head, like going so fast because you have like six seconds to make an impression, not even sometimes. So it's like the game has changed. And if you want to go volume, you have to go online. You have to go CRM systems, you have to go AI, chat GPT, you got to build the right people in the right places. I mean, there's virtual assistants in the Philippines that I hire six, $7 an hour, and they work 40 hours a week. So there's definitely avenues that you can utilize in this new big world, instead of looking at just your own town or your own state, but going nationwide, the opportunities are endless. Yeah, we were talking about that recently, the fact that COVID really changed things. 2020, a lot of people who were selling face-to-face before had to figure out a different way to do it. And those who did were able to continue and actually pick up business, while others who weren't able to do that struggled. And I think there were a lot of people who thought, well, when this blows over, everything will go back to normal. And there is no normal like that anymore because so many people are now working from home. I'm looking at the backgrounds <laughs> of most of us here. I'm working from home. Joseph, you said you've got an office as well, but you're from home. Daniel, you working from home today? No, I am actually in the office. You are in the office. Okay. What about you, Sufyan? Where are you today? It's my office in my apartment and I got you know two other offices. So so we got three people working from home today and two at working out of the office. It's all good. I mean, as long as we're <laughs> getting this stuff done. But yeah, there were a lot of changes. I think that the people who have adapted have done well, and we're all having to adapt to some extent or another. All right. Thank you so much, Joseph. Appreciate it. Bianca. Thanks, David. Well, interesting insights from our guests today. So let's see. Sofian, he knows what's working for creating a personal brand is shortland content, obviously using TikTok, Instagram Reels and YouTube Shorts. He also knows people love to get to know the person rather than the business. And the challenge is trying to determine who's really in it to win it. Daniel, he mentioned that the personal connection remains one of the primary factors for him. He looks at clients as people who sell him properties and social media doesn't produce very much for him. Joseph, he mentioned that before COVID was everything about run shows, you know, just face to face and the old school way. Now he can run his business anywhere in the world because the networking websites got him a lot of opportunities and leads. And obviously the AI chat GPT helped him a lot to contact the leads for him. So that's what we got so far. David, I want to pass it to you. Okay, thank you, Bianca. So one of the things that we wanted to talk about today is qualification, because so many people, when they're trying to sell their products and services, end up spending so much time talking with the wrong people. So I wanted to get a quick feel from each of you in terms of what do you do to 
make sure that you're getting people either qualified in or qualified out of your process as quickly as possible. And let's start with Joseph this time. Yeah, I mean, that's just asking preliminary questions, whether I meet them face to face, you know, do you have a financial advisor? Are you happy with them? Do you have any worries about long-term care or legacy planning or state taxes? Also taking a look at the online funnel, you weed out 99.9% of people I talk to. So it makes it pretty easy to build it online or ask preliminary questions face to face. Okay. Great. Thank you. You're cutting in and out a bit, but I think we got most of that. Thanks. Daniel, what about you? You know, I actually had a couple of different things. Number one, I wanted to step back just a second because Joseph really hits, hit on something for me I thought was really important. And I, I assume Sophia is very good at this. There's been a radical technology change with AI. CRMs have changed. Automated systems have changed. And I personally and struggling miserably getting dragged, kicking and screaming into this world. So I, I just kind of wanted to express that, you know, I, I don't think I'm alone. I think a lot of people are struggling with that. And again, you mentioned if you can adapt to it, it's going to be very beneficial to you. But for some of us, it can be a very brutal change just because, you know, a CRM is not a CRM anymore. It's a complicated living, breathing thing that has abilities that are far beyond what we can do by ourselves. And learning those systems, it can be very time consuming. And so I guess I just kind of wanted to maybe share with the audience that I understand these are not easily implementable all of the time. It can take some time to get through that. It really can. In regards to qualifications of my clients, you know, for me, it's a little different. Again, just because I'm a developer, I'm in real estate. I'm really looking at properties. Property qualifications are the biggest thing for me. So as a developer, that's always my first go-to. I go to zoning codes. I go to maps. I go to use trends. I go to sewer maps. I go to what's developing in the neighborhood, pricing, these kinds of things. And then eventually we kind of make it back to the client. And, you know, I guess the third thing that I was kind of thinking a little bit about is I had this conversation this morning and I told you little before we started here about an overarching theme in my career is that difficult clients are always difficult. It doesn't change. Uh, a difficult client in the door is more than likely going to remain difficult for your history with them. And in my experience, that usually has been more detrimental to me than finding a client that really fits my avatar that I can work with well. It's just, I don't know how it works, but it's just a theme in my life. A good client walks in, we make a good transaction. And for the history of that life with that client, they're easy to deal with. We get through things, we work through things reasonably and intelligently, but the difficult kind that walked in the door that I could spot the minute they walked in the door remains that way for the life of my experience with them. And normally I'm spending more time addressing problems and concerns than really making money. Um, that is so true. I was thinking, as you were saying that, Daniel, I was thinking that poor quality prospects are not like a fine wine. They don't improve with time. <laughs> they just do not improve with time. Okay. Thank you. Sufian, what about you? 
Yep, sure. So I think I would agree with Joseph, as he said, you know, because since we have CRMs now, and especially if you take your clients through a very strong qualification process, they can be a set of questions, a questionnaire, where you can ask them multiple questions. And based off of that, they can either book the call or, you know, they're just presented on the page that says, you know, you're, we're not a good fit for each other. And then apart from that, I think uh, pe- most of the people talk about the qualification process. But what happens after qualification, most people miss out on this, is called a nurturing process. Because if your lead is coming and it's cold and they qualify, and right after that, you get on a call with them. So it doesn't make sense, right? They're still cold. They just went through the qualification process. But if you have a system set up in place, and by the way, if you're a business owner who's very busy, who doesn't understand the online stuff much, you can always hire agencies, done for you agencies, right? They, they take care of you. They do charge you money. But at the end of the day, they're just generating you more money. So I understand as a business owner, you don't have to work on everything. You have to focus on what you're good at and then outsource on what you're not good at. So there are tons of done for you agencies as well. So talking about the nurturing process, it's basically can either do a landing page, a video, or a set of recent clients, testimonials, whatever business you're in, right? So it's just to present it to the client before they get on a call with you, before they come and meet, meet you in the office. So it just warms them up. I like to call it pre-sold. So they're basically pre-sold on your service. If they don't want to buy, they don't buy. But it increases your closing rate extremely, extremely well, so you know, you, you can just boost your conversion rate or closing rate with just by setting up a nurturing process in place. So that's qualification plus nurturing is what I like to call it, not only qualification. Yes, I agree completely. We refer to the nurture part of it as the path because if that's not in place, if you don't know where you're going once you get out of that qualification procedure, you're going to end up lost in the woods. <laughs> so we try to identify what is that path because a lot of people when they initiate their first contact with a new prospect, they don't necessarily know what they're going to do next. If I meet someone at a networking event in person, what's my follow-up going to be? If I meet someone online for the first time as a result of commenting on their post in LinkedIn, what's my follow-up going to be? What's the next step? And like chess, trying to determine what is their next move likely to be, and then what's my move likely to be. And if they don't make the move that I thought they're going to make, then what's my next move going to be? So there's, there's a lot of that sort of thing that goes into it. One of the things that we've really worked on with our clients as far as qualification is concerned, and Sufian, you and Joseph in particular, you pretty much nailed the words we use for it are a lead qualification procedure. You've got a series of questions that you ask people to determine are they qualified to do business with me? Do I like them? Do I want to work with them? Do they have the need, the desire, the money, the budget, the willingness to spend? Are they not rude, obnoxious, belligerent? Right? You got to ask yourself all these questions when you're deciding who you want to work to, who you want to work with, rather, and who you would prefer to leave to your competitors. Because there are a lot of times where you're in the market, you're talking to people, and you're like, "Wow, this is awful. <laughs> I don't think I want to have this person as a client because they're going to be more trouble than they're worth." So having that lead qualification procedure in place is very key, and the path, as you mentioned, one of the things that I find is a real differentiator is the fact that every single prospect that you ever run into. And it also applies to your existing clients, will fall into just one of five levels of qualification. They're either ready to buy now. Oh, I'm so glad you called. Yes, you know, I, I want to buy this. I'm ready to go. 
smallest of the group normally when you're running into a new prospect, but they do exist. They are out there. The second one are those who have specific dates in mind. No, I'm not ready to do anything right now, but September. I'll be ready to move forward in September. Right? So that's the second group, the ones who have specific dates. The third group are the ones who are generally receptive. Okay, yeah, that sounds interesting. I'd like to learn more. Not right now. I've got some stuff going on, but yeah, I'm still open to learning more. So the generally receptive people are the ones who are either not ready to buy right now, or they don't have specific dates in mind, but they're still generally open to it. And then the fourth group are the disqualifieds. Those are the ones we talked about, rude, obnoxious, belligerent, all that sort of thing. And it's easy to spot them usually in the early stages because when they're rude as prospects, they're going to be rude as clients. And then the fifth group are the unresponsive, the ones who just ghost you. They don't respond to you at all. And most business owners that I've talked to never even realize that there are just these five levels of qualification. So when you know that, now you know exactly what you have to do with each one. If they're ready to buy, you sell to them. If they have specific dates in mind, you get them scheduled on your calendar for follow-up at the appropriate time. They're generally receptive. You get them uh, into your contact management system and you, you tenderize them. You get them into a follow-up sequence or a drip campaign so that you're remaining in front of them. If they're disqualified, maybe you want to try to get a referral from them. Most likely, you just want to keep them in that system so you don't call them back again by accident. <laughs> and then the ones who ghost you, you can decide. Because normally, if you've got a lot of people who fall into the first three categories, then when somebody is unresponsive, you may just choose to not go with it. So when you recognize that, I think it helps to create a process or sort of proceduralize the follow-up or the path that we were talking about earlier. Bianca. So David, thank you so much. What I'm hearing is that, you know, it's all about finding what's working for everyone, but let's see what our guest had to say. So Joseph, he's asking the direct questions, taking a look at the online funnels, and obviously it's easier to build online. Daniel, he's looking at the property qualification and eventually he's making it back to his clients. It's all about finding the client that matches him. Sufian says that the CRM and strong qualification process can speed up the process. Also, the nurturing process can play an important role. This is what we got so far. David? Okay, thanks, Bianca. Yeah, I really appreciate your input today because you all had different angles, different ways of coming at this. And for everybody who's watching the podcasts, again, the podcast is about how do we grow our businesses. And so much of that is about how do we get the customers that we need and essentially repel the ones that we don't. So I appreciate your input on all of that. So does anyone have any questions? Any of the members of the panel, do you have any questions that you'd like to hit before we wrap up? So as David was talking about the level five or step five, where people are not just interested, right? There's also a way to fix that. You know, you can just keep them in your CRM so you don't contact them so that you don't piss them off. But now the, the reason why I care about organic marketing and creating personal brand is once you have a big following, even the level five don't want to work with you. Because if you're not well known, if you don't have a strong following, if you don't have a strong social presence, then yes, you do get left on scene a lot, especially level five. Yes, a lot of people, when you have a massive proof on your social, you're doing very well, are still going to leave you on level five, but that rate is going to be way less as compared to not having that organic content or system in place. You know, that is such a great point because actually, as you were saying that, it made me think that, okay, if somebody is ghosting you, 
and you don't know where they stand. You don't know if they're ready to buy or if they're generally receptive or if they're just busy or if they just have no interest. But what you were just talking about there is if you can get content like that, valuable, authoritative content that positions you well in front of those people, they're going to be a lot more likely to maybe pay attention to you later, and they may end up engaging with you. It's interesting because when we talk about unresponsive prospects with our clients, the options that I had previously been discussing with them were basically about, well, you decide what you want to do. You decide your tolerance for pain. How long am I going to continue to pursue this prospect? And generally speaking, if you're finding enough of the people who want to buy from you now, you tend not to do that. But if you are able to connect with them on social media, and if you are putting out content on a regular basis that is good and that positions you well, then you can actually continue to work those leads without actually having to do any extra work. I think that is a really great insight. I would echo that as well. There's one thing I thought about, about some of those ghosting things, and I guess this applies to a number of things, not just marketing, but you know, there generally are nuggets to be had there. In a lot of cases, people are just busy and they may very well fit into the column that, well, yes, they like it, but they're not ready today. So they're just not going to respond. They'll respond when they are ready. So to just throw them in the trash can and ignore them is probably not a good idea. That's where the beauty of these new CRMs and AIs come in handy. You put them into that funnel that they just get drip campaigned over time and eventually they will blossom. So I guess that was my, my one caveat. A lot of people would think that that unresponsive would have a stereotype that I'm just not going to, I i don't want to deal with it. They're not responding. They're not worth my time. Uh, think twice about that. Yeah. And again, I keep going back to tolerance for pain because there are some people who are like, they've been pursuing somebody for years and they eventually convert. And we have people who had opted into some things that we had offered years ago and never responded to anything. And then six, seven years later, they come out of the blue. So it's not like it can't happen. And that's where I think the follow-up procedures are very important and having the ongoing content. And then as Sufian pointed out, if you're able to do that on social media where they don't feel like it's not like you're calling them all the time. You're putting out content. They're seeing it. So it's a little less confrontational. I think that's all a great point. Joseph, what about you? I definitely agree. The CRM system I'm using has different levels in regards to when to contact them. So they fill out their information <clears throat> within 10 minutes. It's a, hi, how are you? Here's my calendar. And then if they ask questions, it answers the questions. And then, hey, here's my calendar. And then if they're not interested or they don't respond, similar to the Hummingbird AI on LinkedIn, there's a time probe. So it's like 24 hours, 48 hours, seven days, 14 days until they either opt out, which is good. They weren't going to work with me anyway, but you know, I'm not contacting them a hundred times where they can go on Google and say, you know, this company's harassing me. So it's finding that fine line between trying to be aggressively working towards the goal, which is, you know, to meet with them. I have watched different videos where one of the 100 extra guys like, oh, just call the guy 13 times a day. And it's like, okay, I don't think that'll work out too well long-term with a lot of people. Um, so, you know, it's, it's all about trying to be professional, but trying to be persistent without being a pest. And there is a fine line between persistency and being a pest. And again, that's trial and error in whatever career you're in. You know, I'm in finance. I sell life insurance, disability, long-term care, retirement planning. Those are all needs. They're not really wants. 
Nobody wakes up on a Wednesday morning and is like, oh, I need to get my trust set up for my life insurance. You know, nobody, so it's like, it usually needs like somebody, like my uncle died. My grandmother had a, a stroke. She's in a long-term care. She's losing millions. They need to see the pain to say, oh, I need to do this. It's not like I'm selling a TV that people want or an iPhone. I'm like, oh, I really want this video game. So it's doing it in a manner that is being persistent but not being over aggressive because you just come off as a salesy guy. And in my industry, I don't want any customers. I want clients. I want people that stay with me for 10, 20, 30, 40 years because the average person purchases seven times over their life from a financial advisor. So it's learning all the metrics, learning what you have to do, setting it to your profession. Cause again, every profession is different, but having those parameters built into your game plan before you just go. Cause I know when I first started, I was just, throw a bunch of stuff against the wall, go to Panera, grab a bunch of cards, call them. I was on the highway. I see a truck, a 1-800. I'm just calling. I'm just calling anything I can see, you know, like, and then it was fine tuning that down to say, okay, these are the ideal opportunity prospects. These are how you address them. These are how you follow up with them. And as you fine tune that, it just becomes a working machine that turns opportunities into business. Yes, absolutely. I think, what you mentioned about the person who calls 13 times or whatever, that to me is so 20th century and not even right at the end of the 20th century either. I mean, like maybe a decade or two back. And I think one of the things that we probably all recognize now is that in order to maintain that conversation, have any level of credibility or authority, we have to be creating value in our communication. In other words, it's not just reaching out, hey, you ready to buy, you ready to buy, you ready to place an order? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Like a kid in the back of the car when you're taking them on a trip, are we there yet? We can't take an are we there yet approach with clients these days. And so if we're making sure that our communication with them, even in the prospecting stage, is creating value as opposed to just looking for a sale, we're going to be in much better shape. Well, I mean, if you need the sale more than that person needs your product, it's written all over your face. And when you're desperate to make money because you got to pay your mortgage, it's a different energy. I know in my career, when I was starting off, I needed people to buy because I had to like pay my rent. I had a little baby at home. My wife didn't make a ton of money or she stayed at home. But now as I get older, I have this big book. I don't need people's business because my book funds my quality of life. So it's a different mindset when you're not desperately chasing them. Like, I need you to buy this product. It's more along the lines of, I'm the value here. When you're ready, give me a call. Whatever you need, I'll take care of between me and my network. And you're coming from a place of power, not from a place of desperate. So it's an energy change. It's a vibe change. It's a communication change, a relationship change. When you put the value on yourself and be like the value prop in the situation, not the customer being the one you have to chase, you know? Yeah. After COVID happened and when it was happening and everything just kind of changed in terms of mindset and approach and all that sort of thing, I feel like a lot of people had to shift gears, salespeople in particular, or business owners, people that had to sell stuff, had to shift gears from how can I sell you to how can I help you? How can I help you get through this? How can I help you with this situation? And you raised such a great point there, Joseph. When you're desperate for a sale, it's hard to think that way. How can I help you when you're like, I just need the money, <laughs> right? It doesn't work as well when you just need the money. But I think it's such a great point. And really everything that we were talking about today sort of points back to that, creating value in the communication, 
helping people instead of just trying to sell them and getting to the ideal audience, getting to the right people and being able to disqualify the wrong people as quickly as possible so we're not wasting time. Bianca, any final thoughts? Thanks, David. I think, you know, I always used to say a no today doesn't mean a no tomorrow. So I agree with all of you. You know, you have to be persistent because that's the key to success. But obviously, we don't want to stalk people. So, yeah. Don't okay, stalk yeah. people. That's a good one. <laughs> that's a keeper. Yeah, that's no, a be persistent. Yeah, that's my advice to everyone. I don't had personally, I was very successful even with people that said no today. They were calling me you know, after a year, a month and so, and, you know, we just, we, we were just able to help them. But yeah, be persistent. Excellent. Okay, let's find out where the best place is to reach each of our guests. Sufyan, let's start with you. How do people get in touch with you? Sure. My Instagram, which is at the Sufian TM, they can reach out to me. Same for Facebook. I mean, that's my username across all social channels. Okay, Joseph, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, you can go to www.ironhawkfinancial.com, contact us for them. Also, my personal cell phone for work is on that site. You can also reach me on all my socials at, at Ironhawk Financial and at Ironhawk Financial underscore official. Okay, great. Thank you. Daniel, what about you? So my development company is called Horizon View Holdings which can be found online. And I'm very glad to say, if you look up Daniel Wick Seattle, I'm the first guy to pop up. I'm all over the place, which is okay. one. Excellent. Me. That makes it easy. And Bianca? People can find me anywhere, literally, on all social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook with Bianca Istvan. Okay, perfect. And if you're watching this podcast, the thing I would encourage you to do is to ask yourself, how can I apply some of the things that I learned here immediately? What sort of changes can I make as a result of what I heard or learned here today? And what's the potential if you take action on this to impact your business? Because there are people that are out there for you. They're waiting for you. You need to find them and you need to sort them out too. You need to separate out the straw from the needles, the needles in the haystack, right? So we talked about a couple of things today. One is finding the people that you want to bring in and then separating out the ones that are going to make great clients from the ones that are not so that you're spending less time with the people who are not good for you and more time with the people who are. So lots of good stuff today. Thank you so much to our panel. I appreciate you so much. And for those who are watching, if you'd like to discuss how we can put this to work in your business, just go to topsecrets.com slash call. That's topsecrets.com slash call. We'd love to have a conversation with you. Thank you so much. Increase sales, improve margins, and grow your business. Guaranteed. Top Secrets. Topsecrets.com.